Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. You know, embedded within the commandments and the statutes is health and prosperity and true life. True life. So all these things are for our own good. And I love what it says in Micah. It says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I like that. What does He require of you? Do justly love mercy to walk humbly with your God boy that's a lot how many people are doing justly today how many people are being merciful today how many people are walking humbly with their God Hello, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob finalizes chapter 10 by analyzing the essence of God's law. In this part of the chapter, God reminds us of why He gave us the law, and Pastor Rob teaches us that embedded within those commands and statues is health, prosperity, and true life. God gives us a command to keep them for our own good. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are required to walk humbly with Him, do justly, and be merciful to others. Jesus said, if we want to be His disciple, we are to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow Him. Let's join Pastor Rob for today's lesson. It's one of the greatest gifts we've been given. One of the greatest things we've been given. Because by fear, I, I start thinking about things differently I'm like, I'm not going to do that because this is what happened the last time I did that. I'm not going to do that. And that's God's design. But reverence Him. Fear Him. Walk in all of His ways and love Him. Serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. In verse 13, and, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and His statutes, which I command you today, for your good. Notice, it was for their own good. Are His commandments there to just ruin your fun? It may ruin your fun if your definition of fun is partiness and, and revelry and drinking and doing all kinds of things. If that is your definition of fun, then your fun will be ruined. But folks, you and I both know you can live along, and young folks especially, you know, in this culture there's a temptation to do those things because everything in the media and all the advertisements, especially this time of year, around Christmas... You see a commercial on Christmas? I don't watch that much television. If we watch anything right now, we're watching the Hallmark stuff, those love stories where everything is perfect and nobody has a problem. Everyone's good-looking, wealthy, and there's always some lady who is, you know, who's got this job in New York and the plot is at the end and she's got to go back to, to satisfy her boss's, you know, whatever he wants her to do and she's got her heart. It's in Muskogee, Wisconsin or whatever it is in this beautiful chalet and, you know, the deer are prancing and everything is just so right and everything's so beautiful and there's, they're, both of them are so beautiful. Everyone's just so beautiful. Everything's beautiful. Everything, everything is just beautiful. 
But no, that's not what God does. He, he does it for your own good. He's the author of everything. And so he knows what's good for you. So he's going to tell you the truth. And the truth sometimes doesn't feel good. Sometimes we resist the truth. I resisted the truth for 24 years. I didn't want to submit to God. I wanted to do my own thing. But there does come a point, isn't it true, where your own thing starts to stink. <laughs> your own thing, whatever it is, starts to wear on you. And all of a sudden you're like, you know what, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what it was, what I thought it would be. The next thing you know, you're in a place that's not good. God tells you, I do all these things. I ask you to keep all my command, you know, to keep my commandments, my statutes, to do these things, so for your own good. And so, you know, embedded within the commandments and the statutes is health and prosperity and true life. True life. So all these things are for our own good. And I love what it says in Micah. It says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I like that. What does He require of you? Do justly, love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Boy, that's a lot. How many people are doing justly today? How many people are being merciful today? How many people are walking humbly with their God? I don't know the answer. But it's something that I want more and more. In verse 14 he says, Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God. Also the earth with all that is in it. And I, and I love this, you know, the, the heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God and the earth with all that is in it. You know, I like to think of God being outside, and the Bible says that he, in, in Isaiah 57, verse 15, it says that he inhabits eternity. So he's outside of this earth. And I love what it says in Matthew chapter 14, and verse 19, and this is during the time when Jesus was in the Galilee region, um, and he was feeding the 5,000. It says in Matthew 14, verse 19, Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven. Where is heaven? We look up. Jesus looked up. It says he looked up to heaven and he blessed and he broke and he gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes. Where is heaven? It's interesting, isn't it? You know, you think about uh, the Jews knew of three different heavens. The first heaven would be this area between us and the clouds, you know, maybe the, the, where the, the, the those, uh, whatever those little stratus clouds, you know, they're pretty high up there. And then the second heaven would be beyond that where the clouds are no longer there, but now it's just space. And it would include all of the, uh, the planets and the stars, the second heaven. And then the third heaven would be beyond that, that no instrument known to man can measure. You know, they can send out a telescope and they can do what they want with it, but there comes a point where it can only go so far and they've got to reel it back because the technology is not there to bring it back. There's no remote control. It loses signal. The Wi-Fi goes out. <laughs> Something. They don't know how far that is. And yet God, wherever he is, is outside of that. Can you imagine? Have you ever stunned your brain and thought about, Lord, what's on the... If you go as far as you can, where, where no one has even dreamt of being, 
you keep going, you keep going, you keep going, you keep going where you can't even see the Milky Way galaxy anymore. And you keep going and you keep going for a million years. You just keep going and there's no end. If there is an end, what is it? Is heaven there? It's just not visible to the naked eye. But the Bible says that Jesus is a physical man. So there's some place where a man is in heaven, probably far away where our instruments and all of our technology has no idea how to get there, no way to, to imagine how deep and far it is. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it says this, in verse 1, it says, Paul speaking, he said, It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ, and he's speaking of himself, we believe here, who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. So Paul had this vision of being in this third heaven, this place, this very dwelling of of the, the throne room of God, being in heaven. Can you imagine that place? And also the earth, notice in that verse that we just read there, Indeed, heaven and the highest of heavens belong to the Lord your God and also the earth with all that is in it. The heavens declare the glory of God, it says in Psalm 24. And the earth, the earth is the Lord's in its fullness thereof and the world and all those who dwell therein. It all belongs to the Lord. It all belongs to him. The universe belongs to him. He holds it in the span of his hand, the Bible says. In verse 15, it says, The Lord delighted only in your fathers to love them. And he chose their descendants after them, you above all peoples, as it is this day. So he goes, therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stiff-necked, no longer. You know, they were very much aware of the process of circumcision. Every one of the Jewish men were very much aware of this. But now God is saying, you know, you guys can focus on the externals. And the externals had had a purpose and a plan to set them apart from a people, from other people groups. And that was true. But now he's saying, I want to circumcise the foreskin of your heart. Because your heart is fat. It's filled with dullness. It's filled with the flesh. And I've got to get rid of it. And isn't that what all of this is about anyway? God was not so much concerned about just the external. It was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a way. God was saying, what I'm really, you know, isn't that, isn't that what Jesus said? He says, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, any man who looks on another woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her in his heart already. Same goes goes for women too. So he took the external act of adultery and he said, now look within your heart. What's going on in your heart? Even though you may not be doing the physical act, what are you thinking of? What are you thinking of? In Romans chapter 2, verse 25, we're just going to look at this really quick. Romans chapter 2, verse 25. It says, For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. And Paul here writing to the Romans, he says, But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? The idea of, of the flesh being cut off. And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even with your written code and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. 
And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but of God. And so again, it's what's inside that's most important. And that's the thing that we've always got to take a look at and not allow ourselves just to get into the ritual routine of the external. That's why God was, that's why when Jesus was on the earth, he had such a problem with the Pharisees and the scribes because they were all about the externals. And now God, Jesus comes and he says, well, what about your heart? Why are you doing this? What is motivating you to do this? That's equally as important, if more important than the external. Because you can do the external and follow the, the ritual and go through the things, and you're just kind of going through it, and yet your heart can be a, a million miles away. There's no longer any worship. It's just outward expression, outward religious expression, but nothing inside of here. And see, that's why it's important that we have to be in the Word daily. That's why it's important to have this relationship with Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we become like those Pharisees. We just read the Bible. We go through the motions. And I've been guilty of just going through the motions. And I don't want to go through the motions. (laughs) I want to have that living relationship with Jesus, just like you do. So resist that. Resist just going through the motions. When you find yourself going through the motions and you get stuck in that rut of Christianity, that's a good time to just stop and, and just take a day off from work, <laughs> if you can. Get alone somewhere and say, Lord, I'm just stuck. I just feel like I've got like no life in me. I feel like you're a million miles away. I used to have this burning passion for you, but now it's just been replaced by this room that's somewhat warm. I want that passion again, Lord, for you. Do you want that passion again? Have you lost the passion a little bit? You know, he's, he's not that far away. He's not far away at all. Verse 17, For the Lord your God is a God of gods and a Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. He doesn't take a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow. And he loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. You know, sometimes in the world we live in, we forget about mercy and compassion. We forget about loving the stranger. And it's an unfortunate thing, but back in this culture, whenever there was a stranger who came into town, you know, people would minister to them. And this happens in some places on the earth today. Or someone will just invite you into their home. They don't even know you from anybody. And they'll invite you in and they'll feed you. And they go through this, they have this wonderful hospitality. And it's unfortunate, but in our country, you know, people have done that. I've heard of old, uh, older preachers back in the, you know, 18 and 1900s who have uh, had that heart to want to entertain strangers and to entertain them. And most of the time it went really well. And yet there are those nowadays, people are afraid to do that. A complete stranger? That's really challenging, isn't it? I'll be honest with you. I'm going to be... <laughs> that it's very hard if somebody was to come off the street and want to stay at my house, I'd be more apt to take them down to the uh, uh, Marriott and pay for them for a night to stay, right? Because I don't know them. i got my wife and my daughter. I have no idea who this guy is, who this person is. They could have a gun. They could have a knife. Can you really sleep that night? Isn't that what we think about? Hide my checkbook. Where's the safe? Is it locked? You know, is this guy... Because what happens in our culture these days? A lot of times that stuff happens. It's really unfortunate. It really is. And then people, we shrivel up because of this. 
we shrivel up. We, we no longer want to entertain strangers because we're, we're afraid. And, and for good reason, I guess. But it's a challenge, isn't it? I'm not, I'm, I don't know what the solution of that is. Maybe in certain cultures you can do that. But it certainly challenges you right to the core, doesn't it? It, it does me. He says, verse 19, Therefore love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You know, as God is, let us be the same heart and the same character. And without the Spirit of God in us, it's impossible to do that. Because the Spirit of God is the one who casts out fear. The Spirit of God is the one who can do this in and through us. What is the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. He says, verse 20, You shall fear the Lord your God, and you shall serve Him, and to Him you shall hold fast and take oaths in His name. And we need to hold on too, don't we? We need to hold fast. Because we are in a confusing... If we, if we don't hold on, we are in for a confusing, wild ride in this, in this world that we live in. We have to hold on to the Lord as if He is everything, because He is. We've got to hold on to Him and embrace Him and hang on to Him and keep your head in with Him. Because you allow your head to get outside and, and, and you start floating away and you're no longer in the Word, and you're, all of a sudden you're fixated on all the political stuff, I tell you, the more I, I hear this stuff, it just drives me nuts. I, there's no peace in it at all anymore. I mean, really. There's no peace in it all. It just it makes me more upset and more nervous to, to pay attention to that stuff anymore. I don't even like to watch it anymore. I'm much better off. <laughs> you are much better off tuning all that stuff out. Take your phone and turn it off. Allow your, take your notifications and wipe everything out to where you got nothing. That thing as quiet as a dead person. <laughs> Turn the thing off. Turn off all your notifications so in the middle of the night you're not sitting there by your lampstand, your phone goes off and you see this nice little glow against the ceiling. Ooh, who is that? Oh. Turn it all off. And brothers and sisters, let the peace of God rule in your hearts again. Don't let it take it from you any longer. It's taken it from you it's taken it from you and we so willingly give it away and it takes it from us and it takes it from us and God's saying, I want to put it back. But you've got to physically do something about it. You've got to look at those, those things that are going to infiltrate your space. Turn them off. On this iPad, I, I got, this thing is quiet as anything. I got the sound turned off. I got every notification turned off. This thing is as quiet as the device itself. It's quiet. There's nothing happening except what I got on it. I do it that way on purpose. need to do that on my phone more often too, but I spent a lot of time reading. I got this thing quiet as a button, you know, nothing distracting me. But think about it and make modifications in your life because you will be the better for it. You'll have more peace and you'll have more stability in your walk with Christ. Verse 21, He is your praise and He is your God. We're going to close up here. We've got one more verse. Who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. And your fathers went down to Egypt and 70 persons. And now the Lord your God has made you as the stars of heaven in multitude. Isn't that wonderful? And you know when you think about this, the stars uh, of a multitude, we're not going to look at all these verses. We'll just look at one of them. And we'll look at two of them really quick. The very first one, uh, no, we'll look at one of them. <laughs> you can write down the others. You can look at them later. But God, speaking to Abraham many years prior to what's happening here, in Genesis chapter 15, this is what 
God's covenant with Abraham. It says in Genesis 15, And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, Abram sorry, in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus? And then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Speaking, obviously, of Isaac. Then he brought him outside and he said, Now look now toward heaven. Notice he has him go outside and he looks up, right? Because where are you going to find the stars? They're not down on the ground. He says, Now look up to heaven. And he says, And count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said, So shall your descendants be. Can you imagine that personal moment of standing out there on a on a beautiful sky and you look up and the and you're just in awe. <laughs> so shall your descendants be. And notice what it says. And he believed in the Lord and he counted to him for righteousness. He counted it to him for righteousness. But God has fulfilled this promise and he's continuing to fulfill the promise because there are people, Jews all over the country, all over the world now, and they're populating. And their seed is as a sand of the sea. God's promise never fails. He will never fail. I love God's promises. They are more sure than the chair you're sitting on. He cannot fail. He cannot be anything other than what He is, faithful and true. And that encourages my heart to love Him the more. Is there any greater stability in your life than the Spirit of God indwelling you? Is there any greater stability knowing that your sins have been forgiven? Is there any greater stability in your life knowing that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Is there any more stability knowing that even when you mess up and even when you sin and you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness? Is there any greater sense in your life than that? Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. You know, I love this time of year, but usually it's not very peaceful. Are you with me on that? Because right now, I don't know about you, but everyone's, have you seen the traffic? I mean, this is crazy out there. And you just, you need the peace of God. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of what? Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Let him be the Prince of Peace for you this season. And I pray that if I don't see you Sunday or Christmas Eve night, I pray that you all have a wonderful, truly special time with your families. That it'll be one to really remember. To really say, you know what? This was different this year pray that for you. Let's stand. Let's pray. Pray that for myself too, by the way. (laughs) So Father, we do thank you for tonight, Lord. Pray that you bless us, Lord, as we go from this place. And Lord, just be our peace, Lord. You are our peace who have broken down every wall. So Lord, have your way with us. Keep us in your tender care, Lord. Keep us in the palm of your hand and whisper your words of love to our, our, the innermost being of each of us, Lord. And Bless those in our family, Lord, and and convict in a loving way those who don't know you in our families, Lord. We pray, Jesus, that you would just do a miraculous work 
in and through us this season. We ask it. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, Simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location, and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.